Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Good morning, City Collective. I hope that you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in with us here online on this beautiful July morning. We're past the heat wave. We're now into the beautiful part of our BC summer, and I hope that you're doing well. Uh, we have some things that we're looking forward to today. We're, of course, in week two of our Songs of Summer series as we walk through the book of Psalms. Pastor Alonzo, he got us going last week looking at maybe one of the most uh, heart-wrenching of the psalm, Psalm 88, and, and talking about trauma literature. And I hope that if you missed it, that you take a moment in this upcoming week to tune on back. We posted the sermon on our YouTube page for you to go and, and listen to and to soak it up. And I think it's just of great relevance into the season that we have come out of and we're going into just to have an awareness of self and what God is speaking to us in those moments of struggle. Now, uh, we also have this evening an uh, in-person service taking place 4 30 p.m i know you might be watching online but we want to see you in person this is a great opportunity this is going to be the last week we have any sort of pre-registration but if you're looking to just get there we want you to be there so pre uh i want you to put together a plan 4 30 p.m Jericho Ridge Community Church, we are getting going on some in-person services over the course of the summer. Looking forward to a fall where we are back at HD Stafford. So join us tonight, 4.30 p.m., Jericho Ridge Community Church. We've got space for you. Now, like I said, we were in Psalm 88 last week. And this week, I want to take us on perhaps a little bit of a, uh, a reflective journey to what Psalm 88 was. Uh, Psalm 88 is this this piece of literature that uh, Pastor Zoe was talking about as, as trauma literature, but we're jumping into what we're going to be looking at in Psalm 139, which is a hymn of thanksgiving, and it's a psalm of David in particular, and as the psalms are designed, they're designed to, to provide the words uh, that are divinely inspired to help us search within ourselves. To, to, to have a greater understanding of where we are, who we are, where we're going, and who God is. And the, in the season that we're entering into in this post-pandemic world, I believe that the Psalms actually give us a ton of language. Psalm 139 in particular, it is a powerful psalm that gives us a picture of who God is and God's all-seeing eye, meaning that the ways that he's watching over our lives in every situation and every season and the intimacy which we can see God in our own lives. So for our talk this morning, I want to talk about knowing the God who knows you and how that contri contributes to our search for the solution in our trials of life. So I want to pick up in particular, you can turn with me, verse 17, uh, Psalm 139, verse 17 in particular, as we bring you into the flow of the psalm a little bit. To give you a little bit of context, the beginning of this psalm is a declaration of, of David, of, of the characteristics of God, that God is all present, that he's, he's everywhere and he's moving and he's shaping the world around us, that he is 
that he is uh, all-powerful, that God is working in a powerful way to bring the things that we desire into existence, the things that he desires into existence. And then in verse 17, often this portion of scripture is kind of skipped over, specifically verses 19 through 22, because David gets a little real. He, he's, he's been declaring the goodness of God. He's been, he's been celebrating all the characteristics of God that he knows and believes to be true. And then he gets to a little bit of the nitty-gritty and he, he has something to say about the reality of the life that he sees around him. So we're going to read this together in Psalm 139, starting in verse 17. And it says this, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. He's still in a good mood. And then things kind of turn in verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in a rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. And here comes this shift. David is focusing on external factors, and all of a sudden he makes the move that we see him make over and over again in the Psalms and in his life from dealing with his enemies to dealing with the inner me. And David makes a decision to take some responsibility, as we see, see in verse 23. He says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He's not putting it on anybody but himself, that there is something for him to discover that is inward, which is impacting his outward. And here's something that, that we need to learn to do a better job of, that we can acknowledge the reality of the struggle and the strife around us, the distress that we see while still having an awareness and a commitment to embrace healing within ourselves. It doesn't have to be an either or, but rather an and. I recognize the distress and struggle of the world while also recognizing the conflict and the distress within me. One reality doesn't eliminate the other. So David says, search me, because nothing changes until you do. Know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. And this is where we're going to spend a little bit of time today, because I see the word anxious, and uh, I see that at the end of, of that verse in particular, and I think to myself, that word... Is, uh, why, why couldn't it be a word that gives me a little bit more credit when the struggles of life come around? You know what I'm saying? That how about instead of saying anxious, I think, how, how about it says, I want you to know my, my realistic thoughts or my fair thoughts or my reasonable thoughts. But my anxious thoughts are uncomfortably accurate to what takes place within my life when distress and struggle seem to come into my view. 
that my anxious thoughts come to the forefront. And the truth is, the world that we live is in the age of anxiety. We live in a culture where there is a lot of performance stress, that there is an expectation for high performance, for, for success on, on not just a personal level, on a public level. And all of these things often culminate in these experiences of anxiety and these anxious thoughts that come into our everyday lives. I, I, I even recognize that what happens when I'm feeling like I, I'm missing something, like I'm wanting something, that my phone is listening, that it is doing those targeted ads. Maybe you've noticed this for yourself, that you're talking about how much you wish you had a steak for dinner that night. And then you've got three steakhouses that are telling you about their big day, big deal that they've got going on for dinner that night. Or you're talking about des your desire for the next best car. And before you know it, Nissan sending you their every second ad that you see on your Instagram feed as you're scrolling on through because the world is designing that us to be in this constant space of longing and wanting and distress and struggle to as if we are, won't ever be content until we have everything that we desire in every single moment and if we don't have it we feel the sense of anxiety because it is invading every thought that we are carrying this extends into every area of our lives you are if you're single, I'm guessing that you've seen some dating apps make a, a sponsored attitude on, on your social media feed. If you are talking with your spouse or talking with a friend about your finances, I bet you something like Wealth Simple has posted an ad that has popped up. And, and it sparks these thoughts of, do, do I actually have everything in order? What if I was to do things a little bit different? Suppose I was to go a different route. And anxiety and anxious thoughts, they well up inside of us. Marketing companies, I understand this. Big pharmaceutical companies, they know it. Travel agencies, they know it. They understand that feeling of FOMO. All of these things constantly culminate. But this is what Charles Spurgeon has to say about anxiety. He says, he says anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows but only empties today of its strength. And I think that is so accurate. Because when I am anxious, I get overwhelmed. And when I'm overwhelmed, I don't want to fight anymore. And when I don't want to fight anymore, I feel weak and unable to continue forward. But our friend David, as he's writing this passage, he has declared the characteristics of God spared his soul in the, the ways in which he wished God was present in that moment. And then he says, search me, O God, know my heart, know my anxious thoughts. Because despite the real anxieties he was facing, David has gone on a journey in this passage. And I want you to take a really close look at it with me. He starts with this section at the very beginning where he's declaring the omniscient nature of God, the fact that God is all-knowing, a God that knows every detail of him, of his, his thoughts, of his life, of his existence. God is all-knowing. God knows me. And then he moves into a declaration of the omnipresent nature of God, the fact that God is everywhere. That, and he says, I cannot hide. And that's a little bit distressing, but 
what are the reasons that actually make me want to hide when in fact I need to be in the presence of God and God wants to be in my life as well. The omnipresent nature of God. And then it moves into this idea of the omnipotent nature, that God is all-powerful, declaring that God has made all things, that he has come to this very point of declaring the omniscient, the omnipresence, the omnipotent nature of God. And then he begins to cry out. And he just has this heart-wrenching call to what if there is something more that I can have in my story. And you know what, God, I might know who you are, but I still need you to search me and to know me. I know you're all-knowing, but know me. This is not just a statement to feel good or to say the right thing. This is a real Hearts cry. At the very beginning of our passage, David, he, he makes an indicative phrase. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. He's expressing it like a fact. And then in verse 23, David turns this fact into an opportunity to cry out. And he says, search me, please, and know my heart. All this to say that even when I know something to be true, Anxious thoughts can make their way in. Even when I know something to be true, anxious thoughts can make their way in. And he has declared that God knows him, and yet he still cries out that God might take away his anxious thoughts. That, and, and all of this, he, what I want you to catch in this is that even when we know the God who knows us, we need to be reminded that he knows us in the spaces that we feel unknowable. I don't know about you, but I have often found myself in those anxious thoughts as if no one will understand what I'm going through. I don't think that they're going to be able to come alongside me in a way that's going to make me feel better. And we move from a place of anxious thoughts to isolation. And it is this detrimental cycle that we send ourselves on. But to know a God that knows us is one thing. But, but to know that he is a God that knows us in our spaces that we believe to be unknowable is something so powerful. They isolate us and they, they feed that lie that no one will understand. So wherever you find yourself today, church, know this. Know that an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God is there for you in the honest cries of your current struggle. Now, uh, when, when we have conversations around anxiety, I always want to take a moment and recognize that there is real medical conditions that require us to have really intentional plans moving forward. But when the Bible's talking about these anxious thoughts, we all experience anxious thoughts because we live in a space where we're trying to move forward in our lives, desiring new things, experiencing struggle, and in the midst of that, anxious thoughts come to the forefront. But what anxious thoughts often do is they overcome our feeling of rest. 
rest. And I know that, especially this summer, I want to discover what rest really is. I believe we're going to experience in a powerful next season as a church. We're going to hit the ground running in September. We're going to see people come to know Jesus. We're going to be able to grow as a family, deepen our relationship with God. And I'm excited to do that. But I have been challenged in my last uh, six months or so of what do I actually do that knows how to rest? Because if I can't rest, often my space of rest gets replaced with the anxious. So what are some, what are some key elements that you associate with, with rest? Perhaps you picture yourself lounging with a tropical drink of some sort on a beach. It's maybe it's a spa experience. Maybe it's like a moment lying under the stars. All of those things kind of often come to our mind when we think of rest. Maybe it's just your bed at home that you just love to take a good nap in. But all these things that we think about when it comes to rest often line up in particular with this idea of stillness, of silence, of quiet. And in the midst of the honest cries that David came with, he's saying lots is going on out there. But that which has me anxious is what I allow in here unchecked. And the, the Hebrew word that he is actually using around this idea of anxious is maybe better translated as disquieting thoughts, disquieting thoughts. That is to say that there is no rest because the noise in his life has gone to a higher level. I, I've noticed this in my marriage. When I feel like I am busy and I've got lots of different things going on in my mind, I am guilty, and I will be completely honest, of sometimes not listening to my wife when she is trying to talk to me, that my mind is somewhere else completely. I'm thinking about what went on during the day. I'm thinking about the sports game that's coming up. I'm thinking about the, uh, the hangout that I'm going to be having tomorrow. And when I'm not... When I'm not present, often it's because my mind is elsewhere. And maybe that is driven by anxious thoughts. But even just the concept of the busyness of mind, a disquieted thought draws me out of the present and away from being able to love and listen to my wife when she is trying to speak with me. Sorry, Adriana, I got to do a better job of that. And sometimes when we have this highway of thoughts running through our mind, disquieting thoughts lead to these anxious moments. And these anxious moments are ones that we just become so used to that we don't actually deal with them. In verse 24, David says this. He says, if there is an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is to say, there is a process by which I am stuck. And I have been thinking in a way that has allowed the enemy have to have the number one highway going through my mind in rush hour. Because but when the Bible says don't be anxious, I don't think it means that we can never feel anxiety, but it's making a call to us to don't stay anxious. It doesn't mean that there won't be moments of anxiety and seasons in our life when your hands are shaking a little bit because you feel the, the, the gravity of the moment. But so often we stay anxious because we don't even know what our anxious thoughts are in pursuit of. And perhaps the psalmist's declaration before he cries out are an outline for the cravings of our anxious thoughts. Our cravings of our anxious thoughts are revealed in those first verses before the psalmist cries out. And number one, I think that our anxious thoughts are often craving to be known. 
But this is the de- declaration that the psalmist makes, that he is an omniscient God. Th- there's this um, song that was part of a s- uh, TV show that came out in the 80s. And I, I was in Boston a couple of years ago, and I got to visit the, the classic, iconic bar for Cheers. And they've got this theme song that I think is so reflective of what we crave as human beings and what can often drive us to these thoughts of anxiety. And it says that making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came, you want to be where everybody knows your name. That classic Cheers theme song is a reflection of, I think, some of the things that we crave. That we want to be known because to be known actually brings comfort. And we, needed to, we need to experience sometimes comfort in the midst of our anxious thoughts to be moved to that place of peace. That where we have an anxious thought, God brings comfort into it. So much so that I begin to place my trust in God even more. And when I place my trust in God, he leads me to his perfect peace that passes all understanding. In verses 1 through 6, there is a Hebrew word, uh, yada, and it's about God knowing us, and it can actually be translated to say brings comfort, brings comfort. And that is what an omniscient God does. An all-knowing God brings comfort to you in the way that you need it most. The second thing I think that this passage reveals to us is that an anxious thought is craving to be seen. I... I remember uh, growing up, one of my favorite Disney movies was Aladdin. Uh, it was just a lot of fun, and I in particularly loved the genie. And I remember the this, this scene where, where Aladdin rubs the lamp, and genie comes out, and he, he throws a party, goes into a musical. It's incredible, and there's, there's so much laughter and joy in the moment. But there's a moment later on where where Aladdin's trying to get away from Genie, but he can't do anything about it. He, he, he's, he's trying everything he can to escape the Genie, but the Genie is a part of him. He's, he's everywhere. He can't even hide from him, and it's even a little annoying to a point, but even what is seen in this moment is uh, we, we experience this in our own story where God said he's everywhere. He sees everything. He's omnipresent, and we're kind of like, God, that's a little bit much. you got to give me some personal space. I, I need a little bit of space here. But what are the reasons in which we actually feel like we need space from this omnipresent God? Why do we hide? Well, I think it's because sometimes we feel shame. Sometimes we feel guilt. Sometimes we feel worry and these anxious thoughts, they rise. But this is what it says in Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The God who is everywhere and sees everything wants to declare to you this morning that in the midst of seeing everything, of being everywhere, he's seen the struggle, he's seen the mistakes, he's seen the failures that we have undertaken in our life, the places where we believe shame would separate us from him. He is saying that his love for us is not predicated on what we've done, but on who he is. So the, the 
glorious promise of an omnipresent God is that I'm with you in every moment and I never stop feeling the same way that I feel, feel about you right now, full of unconditional love and ever-present, everlasting mercy. That is to be seen. God sees you and loves you. The third thing that our, our anxious thoughts can, can reveal as a craving is to be free. And thank goodness we've got uh, an all-powerful and omnipotent God who is able to, to work in the most powerful of ways, who's crafted us in a beautiful and meaningful way. I love this quote from Sinclair Ferguson. It says, It is only when we want to take our lives out of the Father's hands and have them under our own control that we find ourselves gripped with anxiety. The secret of freedom from anxiety is freedom from ourselves and abandonment of our own plans. But the Spirit emerges in our lives only when our minds are filled with the knowledge that our Father can be trusted implicitly to supply everything that we need. We discover freedom. We want to be free. To, to be free is to know this all-powerful God that makes our freedom possible, to place all control into his hands, into the, the, those loving arms that do, does with it so much more than we could ever, the giving up of self to, to lose our life in order to find it. This is one of the ways that we can counteract these anxious thoughts. And finally, this, when we get to this moment of David crying out, these anxious thoughts, they reveal a craving that we just want to be heard. For some of you this morning, you've experienced these traumas in your life, and you feel as if no one will understand. You feel as if there's nothing that you could do to make someone understand where you're at or what you've gone through. Let me invite you this morning. There is a God that wants to listen to you where you are without judgment, without shame, without condemnation. For in Jesus, there is no condemnation. So when we speak the truth of our story, it is not guilt and shame that we are met with, but love, forgiveness, kindness, and healing that we so desperately need. You can be and will be heard by this glorious Savior that it was in the midst of your story. So our anxious thoughts, they reveal to us, just in summary, that we desire to be known, to be seen, to be free, and to be heard. We need a reshaping of our imagination. You have been gifted with a powerful and beautiful imagination that only God can provide. But we have seen the twisting of our imagination turn situations into always questioning what if or suppose this happened that creates anxious thoughts rather than reclaiming our imagination and declaring, I know who God is, so imagine what he can do with me now. We need to reclaim our imagination this morning. Our imaginations have become slaves to our fears, slaves to our trauma, and painting an idea of what might happen. But I know this church. I need hope. 
I need hope in every season, and I need hope most definitely in the midst of my struggle and in the midst of my pain and in the midst of my loss. I need hope in Jesus, and I need it to be more than just a nice idea, but I need it to be a light that shines into the midst of my darkness, of my anxious thoughts. I need it to be a, a, a peace that fills me when it makes no sense, uh, uh, that renews my soul when I'm at my end, and that draws me closer to God when I feel so far away. I need the promised hope of an omniscient, omnipotent, and all uh, just a God that's in my struggle. So often our anxiety lies in what if. And our life is full of these supposes. Suppose of this happens. Suppose something happens here. But we are invited to live in the promise of God's security instead of the prison of supposes. David says this. He says, God, I want you to show me what's really making me anxious so I don't spend the rest of my life waiting for our enemies to disappear before I choose to have peace. We need to stop waiting for our struggle to disappear before we have peace. Peace is not dependent upon the absence of an enemy, but simply upon the presence of our God. This is a hymn of thanksgiving, but it is in the face of anxiety. This is giving praise to a God who is present in our pain. So can we make this our prayer this mor morning? God, would you show me my anxious thoughts for what they really are? Father, show me the ways that I'm thinking that are preventing me from experiencing your perfect peace from flooding my life. Can you reveal to me that which I'm holding on to instead of holding on to you? I want to trust you. I want to know you. And I want to know the God who knows me. Let's make this our declaration this week, church. That my peace will not be predicated on the absence of a struggle, but on the presence of my God. If you're watching for the first time and you don't know this, this peace or you don't know this God that we're talking about. 2,000 years ago upon a cross, Jesus came so to win a victory over death so that we could find perfect peace in the time to come and in the time that is. And so there's an invitation that he gives that when we place our hope and trust in Jesus, we might discover that peace. And all it takes is just a simple moment of just opening up our heart to allow God to come in and begin a new story, to renew our hearts, to put a new life within us. And you can do that this morning simply by just inviting Jesus into your home, inviting Jesus into your life. It's a simple thing to do, and it will transform everything. And it begins the journey to discover a life of seeing God in the midst of our struggle. He's always there, but when we know he's there, things change in a powerful way so let me close with a prayer this morning i hope that you have been challenged and blessed by our time together heavenly father we give you thanks that we can declare all the characteristics that we know of you and still 
experience the anxious thoughts that come into our life and be met by a merciful, gracious, loving God that is able and willing to meet us in our struggle and provide us the rescue and the renewal that we so desperately need. I just pray right now for everyone that is making uh, a prayer about their anxious thoughts, that your peace would flood them. The cravings that we desire to be known, to be seen, to be heard. I just pray right now, God, that you would, you would be more than enough. That we would be encountered by your incredible presence within our homes, within our day, within the week to come. And it would begin to shift us to this place of peace. We just declare this over every household, every person represented this morning. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.